thanks for tuning in to the Undercuts review episode of the 2022 Japanese Grand Prix. Please rate and review wherever you listen and enjoy the show. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. By being a racing driver means you are racing with other people. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. This weekend we had the first Japanese Grand Prix in three years. Um, but during the weekend, before qualifying and the race, we had some news that we all expected to happen, um, but it was finally announced. Pierre will be driving for Alpine next year. It will be an all-French lineup, and because of that, almost immediately after that was released, AlphaTari said that Nick DeVries will be driving for them next year alongside Yuki. I'm really happy for Nick DeVries. He deserves a shot. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean he, he's he's had uh, a great career in the in the junior formula. The F1 avenue looked to have dried up. You know, it, it looked like it wasn't available. And then he had a couple of strong years in in Formula E. Won the Formula E title. Obviously, Formula E has not got a great deal of pedigree, but you know you get some decent drivers in there, and it's all pretty even equipment. So he's proved himself. And he just made the most of that weekend in Monza. You know, Alex Albon gets appendicitis, can't race, steps in, does really, really well. I think he's somewhat lucky in that Alex Albon was able to get ready and get back in the seat in Singapore. (laughs) A a crappy weekend in Singapore could have scuppered all his chances, right? You're saying he did did good and he got out. He didn't. He he did good. He got out. He left. You know, first, there's only one chance to make a first impression unless you make a second impression, right? (laughs) So, you know, he he did really well. He he took his chance. Um, The opportunity was presented. He grabbed it with both hands and it's paid off. And I'm thrilled for him because he's 27 years old. Like, you know, Max Verstappen just turned 25. He's been in F1 for eight years now. So, you know, fair play to all us oldies, all us (laughs) 27-year-olds, right? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, great job. So where does that leave the the open seats then? Is it just one? It's Williams and Haas. Williams and Haas. Okay. Yeah. So Williams, it's... Rumors are still swirling around Logan Sargent, the American driver, who obviously commercially would be, given the the explosion of Formula One popularity here, would be commercially a very strong option because obviously, you know, Latifi has money with him. I think Sargent doesn't have money in the same, he doesn't have the family money in the same way as as Latifi, but I think commercially it could be a good good play for William to bring him in. And he's having a good season. I mean, what is he, third, maybe in F2? I believe so, he's third, yeah. Yeah, so doing really well. As, you know, only a week has passed since we were chatting about Singapore, and I don't think any new news has really come out around um, around the remaining Haas seat. It's still, I think, between Mick and Hulkenberg. So they just have a decision to make there. Uh, I think Danny Rick, you know, in the press conferences on i think it was saturday basically said his chances of being on the grid now next year are, are basically done which yeah. says that he's not really in the running for either of those two seats um i don't know whether that's because he went for it or he's not interested but hopefully 
no, put it this way. Danny Rick's too good of a driver to not be in F1. If it was to dry up now and he didn't get back, yeah, that would be unfortunate. And he might need to be looking elsewhere. Yeah, I, th- I think he'll still try and stay around the paddock for next season before he commits to anything else just to try and get maybe a seat for the for the following season. Yeah, I mean, never, Mercedes never need a reserve driver. I think Nick right. DeVries, is, uh, he's, he was their reserve driver, so they need to find a new one. I think commercially, having Danny Rick at Mercedes could be could be good for them if they were if they wanted to go that way. But is Lewis going to retire next year? I, I, you know, there's no. They're, they're both under contract, and it would it would take Lewis to make a decision. You know, maybe next year's car's terrible, uh, and then he says, "All right, enough's enough. I don't see an eighth title in the next three four years because we're so far behind the pace." Maybe he re- he'll retire, but he's still got some life in him yet. I think. Yeah, I think so too. I hope he's able to stay for a couple more years and I hope Danny's able to figure a way to get back into back into F1. Continue the conversation on pine-sports.com. That's p i n e-sports.com and the Pine Sports Discord, which you can find linked on the website. And join us in a one of a kind fantasy Formula 1 contest at coopsf1.com. That's c o o p s f number one dot com where you can put your theories to the test it started to rain right before qualifying and it rained really hard it delayed the session um, but they were able to to get it going Um, i believe they all started on intermediate tires pierre was really upset apparently his brakes weren't working um and he ended up getting out in in q1 and it was looking like a good weekend for red bull so i think he was really disappointed in that um, both the Williams were out, Stroll was out, and Kevin Magnuson. They were all out in the first session. Danny had a really tough second qualifying. He ended up missing Q3 by only three one-thousandths of a second behind behind Seb. Like we've been saying, he's trying to just show that he's still able to do it. Um, both the Alfa Romeos were out in Q2, Mick was out in Q2, and um, Yuki, unfortunately, um, his first home Grand Prix. Um, it was really cool. Just t- touching on him a little bit. It was really cool to see his interaction with the fans. Um, he just seemed to have like a different pep in his step for, for this weekend, having his first home Grand Prix in Japan. Yeah. I mean, y- Yuki obviously hugely popular at home, you know, four years ago, he was watching the race. So, and, 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 you know, now he's in his second year of F1. So, I mean, and plus also he's just such a jovial kind of happy-go-lucky kind of guy at least off um, the track yeah i mean that's just how he comes across so which is i guess appealing for a younger generation of fans i think you know people like lando who you know when when i think back to when i was a kid it was Ayrton senna i mean you know really intense people the drivers back then were like super intense the generation just kind of shifted a bit and and you know, people like Lando, Danny Rick, they're the, you know, they're the personalities of, of driver that really appeal to a new generation of fans. And it's getting a lot of people interested in the sport, which in part is why it's such a shame that Danny Rick's not going to be around next year. Um, but, he, you know, obviously he'll, as long as he can stay connected to the sport, he'll still feature in Drive to Survive. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, Japan has always had the craziest fans those the super fans they make their own hats that like have front wings on them or mm-hmm. 
they have you know they've got a formula one car on and they just they just go nuts for the sport in a way that in, in an eccentric kind of super fan kind of way like no one else no other set of fans in the world yeah. um it, it's really cool to see and uh, i'm sure that the drivers are loving being back yeah i mean seb was saying it's his favorite place to go and how sad he was that this was going to be his last his last time racing around this track in formula one um but we get to get to q3 it was really really tight up until the very end I saw Karun was doing from the Skypad, they call it on that on that screen. They were showing the two Ferraris and Max and how close their final qualifying laps were. And it was just like every turn, different drivers were taking little little chunks out of the other the other driver's laps. But in the end, on the very last chicane, Max was able to cut it just right that he beat Charles out in pole position by one one hundredth of a second. Yeah. And going into braking. At the breaking yeah. point, Carlos Sainz was actually in the lead. But I yeah. think that was probably because he maybe braked a little bit too late. <laughs> and that just kind of put him out, and it meant that he had a tighter line into the chicane. But it's these fine margins. It's it's great to see. We get to pre-race time the next day, and it was looking like maybe it would rain, maybe it wouldn't rain. Um, all the Red Bull drivers seemed strangely confident. We, we know Max needed to win and Charles to get either less than second or Max to get the fastest lap to take the championship in this race. Um, but it ended up starting to rain pretty heavily about 30 minutes, 45 minutes before they were saying it would maybe be inters. And then by the time they got out there for the formation lap, it was totally drenched. Yeah, it, it's it it started raining just like lightly raining an hour before. It was midnight here, and I was watching a bit of the pre-race. And I was like, "I'm what am I thinking? I'm not staying up for this. I'm gonna go to bed." <laughs> um, but it had just I, so I was like, I drew, I set myself a, a you know a curfew of midnight, and uh, just so I could watch a little bit of the pre-race here, I'd see what people were saying, and it had just started to rain, so I knew that it was gonna. You know, it was there was going to be something because when it rains in Japan, it properly rains, right? Yeah, they were talking about Formula One lobbying Japan to try and move the race earlier on in the year because to a drier mm. part to the spring, basically. But Japan, like their they like their spot at the end of the end of the season. But who doesn't want to be at the end of the season when you can crown title, crown you know championship yeah. winners? So it, it's one of those races that's always really been at the same time of year. Yeah. You know, you get Australia used to be at the end and then even Brazil used to be early in the season as well, which we always think about it being the last race or second to last race. So, and you know, Malaysia was at the start and then it was at the end, but yeah, it Japan. always seems that October is, is when we go to Japan. And when you think back to some of the wet races that there have been there, because the pit lane in Suzuka goes downhill. One thing you'll notice um, at the end of the race, when Max pulls into the number one thing before him, you'll see a guy run out and he puts a set of small chocks in the wheel to stop the car from rolling off down the pit lane. So you'll, in the past, there's been like super heavy rain and you'll see like little origami boats floating down the pit lane <laughs> because it's just like a river of water running right in front of the garages like when that. it rains there it properly rains and if you know there's so much spray martin to your point it would 
probably benefit to move it a little yeah. earlier. Also then, well, with the three-hour time clock that we have now, it kind of means that you're not beating it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jason with the, uh, you know, the quotation marks. You know, Singapore, well, where they kind of delayed the scheduled start, whatever. Um, because when you're watching the post-race show, it went dark really quick. Yeah. Like it was dark when they were on the podium, like 20 minutes after the end of the race. So, um, and you know, obviously a lot of talk, um, and I don't want to preempt maybe one thing from just was this as the race was on lap two, quote unquote. Um, you look back to Jules Bianchi, um, back in 2014, it was, you know, same situation. A lot of rain came. The light was failing. It was right at the end of the race and it starts getting dark. You know, at what point do they say, all right, well, yeah, it sucks from a time zone perspective for Europe because in the UK, you have to get up at six o'clock to watch it, which is why there's some reluctance to move it a little earlier in the day. But at what point do you say, if we're going to be finishing so late and it's going so dark, really, it should start a little earlier. Yeah. But they decided they could do a, you know, a grid start and they went for it. Max and Charles had an unbelievable little battle on the first lap to start it off. They were just jockeying back and forth for the lead. But ultimately, Max was able to to hold off, hold off the first spot and, and stay ahead. I mean, even on lap one, there were cars flying all over the place. It was obvious that there was too much water on the track. Carlos hydroplane pretty bad and and crashed into a wall albon did the same which caused an advertising board to fly into the air and give pierre damage um it, it nearly was, hit it was lewis. really bad it nearly hit lewis right albon i think it was a there'd been some contact and and he got stuck in second gear i think that's what caused him to go out but what should have happened they should have declared it a wet race and say start on start on the wet tires then cars wouldn't have been aquaplaning. No one wants to start on the wet tire. It, it's slow. So they have to be forced into starting on the wet tire, which is ultimately what happened. And then they get off it as quickly as they can. If they'd have declared a wet race, yes, there'd have been a ton of spray. People would have crashed. That's just how it goes. But there was a lot of spray even with the Inters. And there'd have been a greater chance of people staying planted on the track. Maybe Carlos would have spun out aquaplaning but it's unlikely yeah i mean i I don't want to sound like a a bit of an old old man here but you know i I don't remember them red flagging races when it it was you could clearly have driven it with wet tires right you could have if they'd have sorted all that out like i've I've seen i've seen you know races red flagged for too much rain i think uh nurburgring uh, was one oh yeah when uh uh, Winklehock, Marcus Winklehock, <laughs> was leading the, leading his one and only race, and then he spun out too. Yeah, you know. and there, was, there was rivers running across the track, and then they had the drag strip running next to the track, which cars went onto and just turned into uh, an yeah. ice skating rink. By the by, so that's definitely too wet. This one didn't seem too too wet, and unlike last week with Singapore, where the, the wet track didn't bring exciting race racing, I was hoping for the reverse. But um, I guess uh, for me and maybe for many of the people listening, I don't know what time zone you were in when you were watching the race, but I was at least able to fast forward through the, I mean, how long was it red flagged for in the end? It was, it was about, like close it was to about, two and a half it was hours. About two minutes for me to hit fast forward on my 
Yeah. <laughs> my TV. I I tried to stay up. I tried to stay up for it. I I I got pretty close, but we didn't know when it was yeah. gonna. Well, it was. It, was it ended up back. being like a 45, 47 minute race. Right. I think so two and a half hours. Something like that. Yeah, close so to two and a half it's a three hour window. Yeah. To to do it, they raced for like they. It was lap three when they came in, yeah. right? Or end yeah. of lap two, I forget. Um, but it was lap three when they got got racing again. So, yeah, it was it was yeah. call it a two hour delay. Yeah. One thing we didn't talk about was the start. Yeah. And Charles got a better start than Max. Yeah. Max was going around the outside, and he got his big balls out, and mm-hmm. he he went around the outside. I mean, they were talking about the karting line and all that sort of stuff. Maybe it's you get slightly more traction off the racing line because there's not the because you're just in ton, in contact with the tarmac and not the rubber, which is kind of counter what is normally the case. But Max was behind Charles. Charles got the Charles got the much better start. He was in front going into the first corner. Max was later on the brakes, just went straight around the outside of him. That was. Yeah, that was classic cool. classic example. That was a great start of, of, of wet, when in a wet race, there, it opens up more of the racetrack. There's more lines to find speed, but you got to you got to either know it's there or feel that it's there or trust that it will be there, and none of those things are guaranteed. Or hope that it's not <laughs> there. Or, or hope that it is there. Or trust know. or trust that the other cars won't come flying into the side of you as well. You know. Yeah, I mean, you look at Vettel and Alonso. Yeah. Right. Um, no one can see anything. I mean, it's different at the front. But when you're in the pack, yeah. no one can see a thing. It's crazy. It's, I mean, yeah. I mean, you saw you saw some onboards where there were just things coming out of nowhere on either side of cars. It's it's crazy that there wasn't any worse of a crash. Honestly, yeah. Um, the reaction time is unbelievable because there were many instances where there was just like cars, like when Joe spun out, um, Lewis almost hit him. It was it was really close. Um, but then, so we got, we, they still went a, a few laps. Like we said, it was lap three where they ultimately ended up calling it. Um, but during the break live, they were talking so much about like Nick, you said Jules Bianchi and that crash in 2014, because Pierre was trying to keep up to the pack before the red flag was called. And so he was going pretty fast and there was a tractor with no lights on it really at all. You really couldn't see it until the last second. And if he was taking a wide line around that, around that curve, who knows what, what could have happened. It was Um, bad. It was really bad. Yeah. I mean, it was, the the thing is, I I can see it from both perspectives and I I sort of see it in this. I see it similarly to how Karun and, and um, Johnny Herbert were, were discussing it. First and foremost, the tractor should never be on a live race circuit in conditions like that. In Monza, yes, they had the tractor on the field, uh, on on the track to clear Danny Rick's stricken McLaren um, from the circuit when it was stuck in gear or whatever happened to there. But that's on a nice sunny day in Northern Italy. It's not a, a wet Japan especially Suzuka of all places, because that's where it happened. Yeah. Right. It should, you know, the fact that they were going to red flag it anyway, why is the tractor even there? But conversely, 
of all people, Pierre Gasly, who was the guy that had the advertising hoarding, lands right in front of his face like the the hood of the car on Tommy Boy, right? <laughs> he knew exactly where the accident had been. Why was he going so quickly? 150 miles an hour or 100 and whatever. He was going far too fast. So things need to be learnt. So, you know, a lot of people to, a lot of fingers to point. Hopefully they come up to a, a with a sensible discussion about it, but it's, it could have ended pretty badly. Yeah, thankfully it did not um, end poorly. But we waited, well, we didn't wait, but people waited a very long time to hope that a race would, would happen, but ultimately it did. And like we said, it was with 40 minutes left to go by the time it started the lap count meant nothing um so it started it was like a little bit more than 40 minutes left to go in the race um so they had to come out on wet tires i believe that's a rule right if they're starting with a rolling start immediately some of the guys from the back seb latifi they pit they might as well they're already in a spray they might as well come in try on the enters they'll have a fresh track Um, but they did have a little drag race coming out of the pit lane um i think that looked worse than it actually was like looking back at the replay like it they're quite slow getting out the pit boxes so i think when they released the car in front which i think was uh, i'm not sure yeah i think yeah, yeah i think you're right yeah. it wasn't like the car was bearing down on him but they just sort of like kind of arrived at the same place at the same time so no action was ultimately taken which i think was the right decision yeah, I don't. It didn't look like they were really all that close. Um, it was just that they were right next to each other, but yeah. nobody else was out in the pit lane, so there was really nobody at dan- in danger at that point. Yeah. By the time we get like four or five minutes in, and then everybody starts coming in to the, to to pit onto the enters. Yeah. Because they saw those guys were doing so much faster. Of course, they didn't have the spray in front of them, which is what George was was arguing over the over the radio. Um, but they all ended up doing yeah, it anyway. He was, he was wrong, but he he was annoyed yeah. at the time because he had he didn't he had to wait to get into his pit box behind Lewis. But uh, hmm. it was still the right decision. Yeah, yeah if it had carried so. on for another lap, then it would have cost more time than yeah. he was sitting waiting for the pit box to yeah. clear. But who who didn't who didn't pit though? Mick Mick Schumacher and Alonso. Yeah, no, I mean, it's um Mick and and Fernando carried on for another lap to see what we're going yeah. The radio came over from from Haas and I can totally understand their thinking here right the track was drying you'd got a whole lot of people all diving in for inters at the same time statistically speaking or in terms of probability it was probably quite likely that someone could stack it yeah yeah you know you know one of the you know, one of the cars that isn't as maybe wasn't set up with quite the, the same wet weather setup or whatever, they were trying to go for something. I don't know, but there was a chance that someone was going to bin it and at least bring out a virtual safety car. Well, actually, there was never going to be a virtual safety car in those conditions, obviously. Um, but maybe there's going to be a safety car. So I, I totally get it. it. And it would have moved moved him up to a position, but it didn't work out. But you've got to take those risks, isn't Haas? But Haas, Haas did lead the race, however briefly. Mick, <laughs> Mick was in P1. There was a graphic. I think Haas uh, grabbed the screenshot. They posted it on their Twitter. They put it oh, in. is that right? I didn't see that. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Funny. <laughs> oh, but, I mean, but it's like an M. Schumacher in the lead of a race, right? There you go, yeah. It's, it's and been, and uh, you know what? I didn't, I, I didn't really even think about it at the time or see it or notice it. Yeah, it wasn't for but, very long. 
But that's kind of cool. I mean, if if Mick's not in F1 next year, then at least yeah. he's led a race. He led a race, however briefly. Yeah, for like Max, less Max, than a lap. Max didn't have any. Uh, he didn't have a soft spot for that. He's just like, I'm coming. through. Max was already back in in the first spot <laughs> yeah. two minutes later. Yeah. So, um, and it showed that the entrance was the right choice, no matter how much George was complaining about it. Um, it was the right choice to switch. But the, like we were saying, the Haas's looked fast for like a second, um, but. As soon as I wrote it out in our notes that the Haas was looking fast, Mick dropped like five spots in the in the course of a lap. You had to give up the corner. I had to bounce ahead. What is wrong with these people? Twenty-three minutes left in the race. George is able to to pass on Yuki. He had been trying for a while uh, to get past him, but he gets back up into the top ten spots. Um, it was a nice move in that uh, one like S S turn or S bend, however you call it. Um, yeah, really ballsy yeah, move, and then he said on the radio, six. "He said on the radio that was a nice move." <laughs> that was pretty funny. That was pretty it's like, good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, if I don't say say so myself, it was a great move. And then he did it. Yeah, he did like, it a lap or so later, right? Yeah, he did it a couple of times. Yeah, like we were saying, Max was Max was on fire during this race. Twenty one minutes in, he's got a ten second advantage after passing all those people. Um, Charles is not up to his speed. Nobody is. Yeah. He wanted to take that championship, you know, today, if it was possible, George got another great pass, just like you said on Lando. And he was up into P nine around the same time. And not much was really going on for, for a few minutes after that. Is it about this time that, uh, who was Hamilton was all over. Who was he? Alcon. Yeah, yeah, Ocon. he was he was behind Ocon. So he was clearly. I mean, that was up until Ocon. the end. Yeah, yeah, he was clearly faster than Ocon. He just couldn't. He just couldn't get by. Like at any particular just, moment, they didn't have it on the straights. Yeah, yeah, he, he was just really lacking on the on the straight line speed. But when so they go through the hairpin, and then you got the it kind of loops around to the right, before, and then you have they call the spoon curve, which is like this big sweeping sort of left hander before into the famous run down to the 130R corner, which is just a flat-out left-hander. Lewis was right up alongside, like literally right alongside Ocon a couple of different times. But before they got to the corner, Ocon, you know, that um, that Alpine in a straight line, we've said it before, is quick. It's a quick car. It's slippery, very aero-efficient versus the Mercedes, which isn't that aero-efficient. And Maybe the setup, because knowing it was going to be wet, maybe they just dialed in a little bit too much yeah. wing on the car, but it was just killing him in a straight line and with no DRS. And, um, you know, it was, he just couldn't get by. It was great to watch because they were battling for lap after lap after lap. And it was always, you know, just couldn't get yeah. it done. And I mean, if Alcon had made one little mistake, Lewis would have been able to, to get by there just like we saw at the end of the race with, with Charles and Checo. Yeah. Jensen was saying on, during the broadcast with like 10 minutes left, Seb, who was sitting, I don't know, like P five, P six at this point that he should consider pitting on to enters, um, because there was such bad degradation on the inner tires. Um, Alonzo ended up doing it just like a two or three minutes later. Um, Jensen yeah. thought it was too late, but he was able to to make some nice moves and get back up into the you know middle of the top ten spots. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Jensen said it was a lap too early, 
sorry, yeah. a lap too late mm -hmm. when there were still seven or eight minutes left. I was thinking, and I think there was discussion about it with about 20 minutes left because Charles had cooked his front tires and he was just, he was going backwards. Yeah. Checo was catching him. And with 20 minutes left, it's like they were talking about the deg. It's like, he should have done it then. If you're yeah. going to do it, do it when there's enough time to make your way back through the field. Yeah, Alonso was, you know, the last five or six laps, he was yeah, on it. I was watching the, yeah. they weren't showing it so much, but I was watching the time difference on the left-hand of the screen go from 10 seconds to nine seconds to eight seconds. It was just slicing off huge chunks of time. Like three, four seconds a lap. <laughs> yeah. like yeah. And then Max, I mean, he really seemed to go into another gear at the end of the race. I mean, he was, he was pulling out another second advantage on every lap. I mean, by the end he, he had averaged like one second faster than everybody else for the whole entire race. Yeah. Um, Cause it was, it ended up being a 28 lap race. Yeah. He finished 26 laps clear. Seconds. But seconds. Sorry. Clear, yes. Yeah. Laps. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been really impressive. <laughs> that would have been awesome. So 28 lap race, he was 26 laps clear. But the thing is though, they restarted the race on lap three. And they had three laps behind the safety car before they got yeah. racing again. Right. So it yeah. wasn't it wasn't just shy of a second a lap. It was more than a second a lap. It was dominant. The guy yeah. did the the largest margin of victory of Japanese Grand Prix anyway. I think. Yeah, the, that was only twenty eight laps long. It was like the, literally <laughs> half the distance. Yeah. In incredible drive incredible yeah, drive i saw a photo of his uh front of his well his front tires versus charles front tires at the end of the race and charles's were almost slick you know if not completely slick whereas max's just looked almost fine i mean i don't know how deep the grooves on inters are when i look at them uh, for the first time but there was a noticeable difference uh he really took care of his tires yeah i mean as one thing i i will say um when Martin Brundle does decide to hang up the microphone, they need to have Jensen Button as the main guy. He is so insightful. Yeah. The stuff, the stuff is, it's incredible. He's like, yeah, this is a, I mean, of course, Jensen, we talked about how much the drivers love, um, love Suzuka. Jensen Button was one of those guys. Yeah. You know, he, he always did well. He loved Japan. I mean, his girlfriend for a while, actually, I think they got married. Um, was, Japanese and so he was you know spent a lot of time in Japan um he but he was saying Japan it's very abrasive and your front tires go and then as we were getting towards the end of the race lo and behold the front tires were going you, you know obviously it's inters but you look at the last you know the, the turning point in the race in the championship and what ultimately led to the outcome of the season was that Checo was putting so much pressure on Charles Leclerc, and then that last chicane, those tires that were, as you said, Martin, almost slicks at that point, yeah. they just lost adhesion under braking into the last corner of the race. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and well, he cut the corner. He cut yeah, the five second penalty. Ultimately, cost him, cost him the race and ended the championship. Well, not the yeah. race, cost him second place and ended the championship. Yeah. Which was, but which the, the confusion around the points. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I thought, 
we're going. Oh, to that's the next that's race. him now out of the the world championship race. That that was the, that was the only thing that I thought happened there because all through the race they were talking about the different, um, you know, you you know, you have to you have to complete two racing laps right. without a safety car um, for there to be to, for there to be an official result. Obviously, off the back of Spa last year, George Russell with his you know second place in Spa <laughs> in the Williams, and then. Um, but then, because yeah, then they changed it, and there's, you know, quarter point, you know, up to quarter distance, quarter to half distance, half to whatever. So, the commentary was talking about how many points were going to be awarded, and then at the end, after, even after the the podium ceremony and everything, they they came out and they said, um, well, if if you read the rules, it's if the car. Sorry, if the race ends under red flag conditions, this is how they yeah cannot be award resumed. the points. Yeah, yeah. If the race cannot be resumed, because and then when you think about it, and I was I was like, doesn't make any sense. They've not completed the distance. But then, and it was only I was just watching the the, the post race show, literally just like ten minutes before we we got on air, and it was well actually no, the race is X number of laps or a two-hour race window or a two-hour race within a three-hour window. So the fact that the race ended at the time it was supposed to because it was the two-hour race under the three-hour window, it meant that the race did actually run its time. It did run its course. Like, I mean, that's my lawyer head on. I'm not a qualified lawyer, well, ladies and gentlemen. I think I think we can all agree it was confusing. It, wasn't it was very super well, confusing. It wasn't very well handled because the, the, the commentators were going column one, column two, column three, working out the points. But at the end of the day, it didn't really change anything. It's not like no. Abu Dhabi where no. the title was decided from between one driver and another. It just, it's Max as the world champion today. Rather than next week, that's pretty much yeah. the difference. Yeah, no, and, but it it just made this incredible Ron Burgundy moment on the interviews <laughs> where Johnny Herbert went, "Thanks for stepping. Congratulations, you're world champion." <laughs> you're world champion. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Am I? I am. <laughs> am I?" Yeah, and like, I was, and I was watching. Hey. I was scratching my head. He's like, "No, how could it? How could that happen?" I, yeah. I was just totally confused. Yeah, me too. I mean, they like are, had already interviewed Max. They had brought Charles yeah. up. Charles, like, wait, Charles, we're going to cut your interview off in the middle because we just found out, oh, the points do count. So we have Max, like, still didn't believe it until he was up in, like, the room where they're, the drivers are talking and they have him sit in that weird throne, like, I, looking that, at a screen that, that, that said World so- Champion on it. And and, and fair play to Max. Max's actual (laughs) personality came through. He was sitting there for like 20 seconds and was like, guys, I'm really lonely in here. (laughs) And he went back through into the other room. Yeah. I really, I have to say, I do like Max of 2022 a lot more than I I like Max of 2021. I, I definitely agree. He's, Max of old was someone you didn't want to like because there was petulance he was unreasonable on track and he was getting, you know, he'd get his elbows out and he'd nerf people off. He's a much more mature character. Um, and I've, I have a 
ton more respect for for Max Verstappen this year. I mean, I, I think it, how he won the championship last year, we've talked about before. It left right. a bad taste, especially for a Brit um, and a fan of Lewis Hamilton since before he, when he was in GP2, before he even came into F1. And how he, how he won his first one, but he's, he's left no doubt about this one. Absolutely. No doubt whatsoever. So, um, well, except for the except for the investigation into how much money they've spent on their oh, car, oh, but, yeah. but you know, as a driver, I mean, what no, the team absolutely. do? The team give him a car, and yeah. he's shown that whatever the the car that they give him, okay, it's the best car. He goes out and he just destroys the field. Yeah, yeah. Twelve wins now this season. The record is thirteen in a season. Right. So I think it's fourteen. Fourteen, right? It, no, uh, or maybe no, the 13. breaking it's is 14. 14 would be breaking it. So right, yeah. four races left, one win, one win to tie, two to to, to break it. So it I looks, wouldn't bet against it. It looks almost a foregone conclusion at this point, but you know anything can happen. Yeah. Um, you know, and got, the constructors is still. Well, I guess yeah, they pretty much have it sealed up. That's not but. completely mathematically over yet, but that's pretty right. much sealed up. Yeah, I think um, there are a hundred and. 56 or 165 points ahead and if you know maximum points on a weekend is what 44 if you have 25 points for the uh for win 18 for second and one for for fastest lap so next after the next race there are three races left three times 44 you do the math it's yeah you know they're going to be crowned constructors champions, I think, in uh, in Austin. So I think, yeah, the but only yeah the unknown the is yeah Red Bull <laughs> Red Bull's going to win, Ferrari second, Mercedes third, most likely. That's sorted out now. Um, Alpine and McLaren still still fighting it out. They're, they're only thirteen yeah. points apart. So yeah, oh, it's thirteen points now. Yeah, I hadn't actually checked on that yeah. one. It was you know just as you know Singapore was a a, a great race for McLaren. This was much more of an Alpine circuit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 13 points. Alpine in fourth with 143. McLaren in fifth with 130. Four races to go. And with a performance like Latifi had, who knows what Williams can do? You know what? <laughs> I was. You know what? I, I'm thrilled for the GOAT. Yeah, the GOAT TV. Um, he's after one thing we didn't talk about <laughs> was him taking a wrong turn. <laughs> oh, he turned too, too early. Right. Practice. He, he didn't take his turn. I don't know what the car did there. <laughs> Although, I, yeah, I, I think it, it, to be fair to him, the something's going on with the car. What's going on with the car actually came further back. I think that was on the exit from Spoon, and then as he was, he exited one thirty R, and they told him what to do on his steering wheel. So he was turning knobs on his steering wheel, and then he was like looked up a bit or whatever. Not that you're not taking your eyes off, but he he doing the things on his steering wheel kind of distracted him a little bit, and then he saw just this little bit of an apex on the right and thought, "Oh, I'm there already." Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it was it was one of those. It was a great goatee moment but you know he's not going to be in f1 next year his career in f1 is coming to an end um 
to have this result so close to the end of his time, fair play to him. But he's definitely a winner on the day. That's because right. Because I don't think there will ever be another opportunity for that to happen. Um, and then we talked about it. Alpine, obviously, taking the fourth spot back in the yeah. Constructors' Championship. And, I mean, we've talked about him enough. But Max, obviously, finally sealing the championship is a winner on the day. Anybody yeah. else you guys think yeah. you, you want to add? There there are a few guys that, that could have been could have been up there. I mean the the end the end the racing at the very end there between Vettel and Alonso. Oh um, yeah. That was so great. close, so tight. You know, Vettel just just held off Alonso. I think there's a really cool in-car shot as they're crossing the line. Alonso's pressing the overtake button to give him more power. And as it says on his screen, like overtake denied. Or something like that, because he's already used it up for no that. No way. Yeah, he's already used it up for that lap. I think it was. It, it ended up being eleven one thousandths of a second oh, it in it. So but it goes up. back to Jensen Button in his commentary saying, "It's a lap too late." Yeah, yeah. But it's exactly. worth the shot. It all added up. Yeah, over. To, that's, you're going to see the, that in memes. I think somewhere. He's Overtake the Tony the Romo of of <laughs> F1. In that, you know, some of the, some of Tony Romo's sort of Nostradamus type yeah. commentaries, are, you know, <laughs> are awesome. One one winner um, that it's not the end of the season yet, clearly, um, but is um, Adrian Newey. He's designed some of the greatest cars that have ever been designed in Formula One, with yeah. Williams, with McLaren, with Red Bull. But with this win, it's the most successful car in certainly in Newey's career. Maybe in, I mean, statistically, there was a McLaren in like 1988 or 89, which won all but one of the races. Um, but that was back when there was like 14 or 15 races in a year. I mean, Mercedes has um, to have a car up there. No, I mean, it, they've won 14 races this year. And this is race. 19 is it so it's longer than many seasons but it's it's right up there i mean it's the they, they've built a heck of a car yeah. 14 of 18 uh, races they've won yeah and <laughs> that's I mean, insane but on the post-race show karen horner was saying how they had it, you know, they were the last to to devote their energies to the new regulations, but because the th- they were obviously they were they were going for all out for it in last year to get um, uh, to to try and get the driver's title. That they they shifted their focus to the next year's car later. The thing is, though, if they were spending too much money to do that, they were then. Mm. You know, let's just say they've created a great car. Adrian Newey is the only chief. Well, he's not actually the chief designer, that, um, but he's the only guy in the design teams in any in any of the teams that was around in the ground effect car. He knew how to deal with it. He knew that it was that porpoising was going to be an issue, particularly at the start of the season, and so it, they were designing their car around the fact that that was going to happen. No one else thought about it. They put it in the wind tunnel, and they and they. It just didn't, um, yeah. It, they they didn't figure it out. So 
for that very fact, yes, it's they've they rose to the challenge of the new regs better than anyone else. We'll see what announcements come out tomorrow. Yeah. Monday and about about the, the budget cap. In yeah, twenty sixteen, Mercedes won nineteen out of twenty one races. All right. Okay. Is that right? In the yeah. battle between Lewis and Nico Rosberg. Wow. Oh right. Yeah, they took it, and then one of the one of the races they didn't win is because they crashed into each other. Took each in other Spain. Out. Yeah. Um. Uh, and was yeah. that actually was that did that end up being Max's first win? I don't know. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That. That's right. I think that is right. That was because Max moved to uh, to Red Bull from Toro Rosso. Mid-year, Gasly kicked Gasly back, didn't they? And he came in, and his first race was in Barcelona. I, I forget; I'm, I'm not exactly sure which year it was, but it was in Barcelona, and that was, uh, and he won that year. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that right. Sixteen. That's cool. right. Yeah. The 2016 Spanish Grand Prix was Max's first win. Um, other other winners on the on the weekend. Um, Paul Clark five has regained the top spot on Coupes F1. Um, up two spots from who? Our friend uh, Nika Watanen uh, dropped two spots down to third with, with Red Army holding holding his spot in second. But a nice a nice move up the up the standings, twelve spots up to twelfth. Jay Lazzy ninety two. Let's go. So possibly mm-hmm. looking to peek into the top ten. You know, before the yeah, season's over. Get back up in there. Uh, I'm still language. I managed to move up a few spots. I'm still down in sixty fourth. Um, top scores this week. We're from DWC Racing and uh, Tioj Juan Colin. I can't don't know if they even say these names <laughs> right, but uh, yeah, a decent decent set of picks. You know, with the top most of the top drivers finishing, apart from Carlos. You know, everybody got some some combination of them correct to, to score top points. So still all to play for. Four races to go. Uh, three weeks is it? No, two weeks till. US. Yeah. I think Max has got his eyes set on on the most number of wins in a season. That's now he's yeah. got the championship wrapped up. He's not taking his foot off the gas just yet. So now that Charles is out of the world championship, Lewis could slip him a fiver. And uh <laughs> you know, or, or twenty take, bucks, whatever. Just, hey, just just take him out. Nunchal Lewis wants Max. to win the race. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, talk to Nel- uh, Nelson PK Jr. about that. <laughs> I think, well, don't yeah. talk to Nelson PK Jr. because his sister is uh, well, is with Max Verstappen's true. is Max Verstappen's girlfriend. So Thanks for listening to the Undercut with Jason Martin and Nick. Please rate and review wherever you listen, and we'll see you next time for the US Grand Prix in Austin.